Father, I thank you today, God. I thank you for this day, God. And in the run up to this day, God, I thank you. We've been praying, Lord, would the right people be here? And there's so many new faces here today, God. Lord, I just, I thank you, God, that you've just brought people to this place today, God. And I pray, Lord, that you touch people through the worship, God. I thank you for that, God. And I pray, Lord, that you just speak through me. Lord, that we've come in here at one level, God, but that we go out on a completely different level, God. Lord, that we would be challenged to our core about this life with you, God, walking out and living out this life with you. Lord, that we would be excited and have anticipation and expectancy of, the, of what life with you can look like, God. Lord, I pray for an atmosphere of faith, Lord, that you just come in power and fill this place, God. And Lord, I just pray for each and every single person here, God, that you would meet them where they're at with this, Lord, that you would speak to them in unique ways, whether it's on the mission field or it's in the workplace or in the home, God, or just out in our communities, God, Lord, that you would reveal something fresh about how you want to walk life with us. In your awesome name, Jesus. Amen. So guys, last week, you guys who've been here for regularly know we've been going through an Acts series. We've been doing Acts pretty much all last year, and we've, we just did Acts 28 last week. We did Acts 28, which is, if you're not unaware, it's the last chapter in Acts. Today, we're going to do Acts 29. And I got so carried away doing Acts 29 that this is Acts 29 part one. Okay. So today, this is Acts 29 part one. You know... The book of Acts is finished there, but Acts itself isn't finished. There's still a chapter being written, and it's us. Acts 29 is the church for the last 2,000 years impacting this world with the kingdom of God. It's us today and our lives today and going into tomorrow. And the amazing thing is, the thing I want to encourage you guys in and challenge you guys with this thought is that nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Remember that, that God is still working on the earth to bring his kingdom through the power of the Spirit through his people. And that's exciting. That's exciting. That Acts isn't just this great story, this thing that happened 2,000 years ago that we look back and remember and kind of as if it's this other thing we, we kind of celebrate. It is something that's going on today. It's a reality we can live in today. Healing, prophecy, power, lives change, people hearing the gospel and having their lives completely revolutionized and transformed. The past year has been this kind of foundation laying year for us as a church that I really felt God say, you need to do acts. And so as we stepped out publicly, we've done acts for just over the last year. And Acts itself is kind of like this springboard into, into life, into our life as a church. Because within Acts, we see this picture of what the church is called to be, called to look like, called to, called to be like. And we've learned a lot from Acts, or at least I hope you guys have. We've learned a lot of different lessons that I hope have blessed you guys. And so I hope you're, that you're entering 2019 in a different place from when we started Acts right at, back at the beginning of 2018. 
And so to wrap up our series here, I want to really go through three big lessons. And we're actually only going to cover that first lesson today that we, that we see that if we take on board, if we get and we put inside ourselves and we live out in the reality of it, it will transform our lives. It will, it will transform our whole community. So today, I want to be focused on number one, and that is being spirit-powered. So our title today is Spirit Power. And as I share today, guys, I want to call each of you into this place of hungering for more of Him this year. Hungering for more of Him, more of the presence. Hungering to see stuff happen out of that place that you've never seen before. Be used in ways that maybe you've been a bit, maybe a bit nervous to step out in. Maybe things that you never even dreamed of or you're only going to see today for the first time. And I want to remind you that it all starts from pursuing him first. Pursuing his presence first. Not pursuing the stuff, you know. Not pursuing gifts or what the Holy Spirit does. But pursuing him. Pursuing him above all others. Good to hunger after the gifts, pursue the gifts, but it's about him and his presence. So unless we hunger for him, unless we earnestly desire this life in him, we're not going to see it. You know, it's just not going to happen because we've got to step out and do it. I believe that a church pursuing God in this way and just stepping out into the stuff he speaks about will change a town, could change a city could change a nation and before we start I just want to stress one thing that as we go through all this because a lot of visitors I don't know your backgrounds and things like things like that but the thing I want to stress is that nothing I share today absolutely nothing are things that you need to earn because I think with often this stuff it's like oh that couldn't possibly be for me I'm not religious enough I'm not holy enough I'm not spiritual enough as you listen to the sermon, I think it could be easy either for the enemy or that kind of doubting voice inside us to say, well, that's cool. I want that, but I need to do something to get it. I need to earn this somehow. I need to become someone else in order to get this. But God never says that anywhere. He always says, this is what I've done. This is what I've given. I've accomplished this. I've made the way. And so our response isn't one of, ah, how do I earn this thing? How do I get it? It's one of gratitude. God, thank you. That's amazing. It's one of thanks. It's one of receiving. It's one of resting in this place. It's one of holding tight to the gift. We see right there. Our response, it's one of self-discipline, in a sense, of giving time, but not time to earn something, just time to receive it. It's time to enjoy something. It's an attitude of gratitude. I don't know if you guys were ever given a gift and it sat in the box, or I'm sure all of us have been given a voucher, a gift card, right? Or especially nowadays where it's emailed to you and it gets lost in like 5,000 Gmail emails and that's, that's my Gmail account. And it's, it's sit there in your inbox and you've got this amazing gift, you've got this gift voucher, but it does you no benefit, it does you no good unless you spend it unless you engage with it. And you know, there's many things within our Christian life that can be like that. That we've been given so much. We've been given so much. We can just get so distracted, right? Can get so distracted by so many different things. 
we can be so distracted that we don't give ourselves the time to enjoy it, to engage with it, to live in it. In the same way that we need that discipline to remember, okay, there's an Amazon voucher in my email account. You need some kind of discipline to be like, I've got to spend this thing, right? I need to do it before it expires. Don't worry, gifts of God never expire. We need that. It's the same kind of thing. We need to make a plan. Self-discipline is a fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? To give time to enjoying and living in everything that God has freely given us, but not for you or your benefit, like buying a great thing for you. It's for the benefit of the world, for the benefit of others. And something I really believe is sometimes if you feel you're in that place, once we actually start it and we start living in it and we start receiving it, similar to having a, a whole, like, a whole bank account full of, full of gift vouchers. You're like, actually, this is pretty cool. This stuff's great. And you just start getting, just start using them because you suddenly realize, hey, it's not a chore. This is amazing. That suddenly, when we start living in this stuff of God, it's going to be the only thing that you're going to want to do. That you'll find no greater satisfaction to spend your time in than in Him and in His presence. And guys, I wanted to start with that because if you think, okay, that what I'm about to share is transactional between you and God, that it's something that you've got to do where you need to do something to earn it, which actually may be in your mind giving time. I need to give time to God so that he would to kind of be like, yeah, I'll spend time with you, God, and then you reward me with this stuff. Not right. You've got to change your thinking about that. Maybe you're thinking, I need to do more religious stuff. If that's where your mind's at, then you miss something because it's already been given. It's already been given. You already have it. And so now live, as he said through his word, to live. Acts 29, spirit-powered. Luke 24, 49 says this, I am going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. Jesus here, he's telling his disciples what's been promised, what God's promised, that he's going to send the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who on occasions filled people in the Old Testament and they did amazing acts, amazing, amazing feats, right? The same power that the whole world was created through is coming to dwell and empower the people of God to bring the kingdom to the earth. Jesus tells them to wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait, says Jesus. And he tells them, though also, doesn't he? He says, go, go into all the world. Preach the gospel to all creation, to all people. Go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He says that to these guys, doesn't he? But then he tells them, wait. You can't do it without the Spirit. You've got to wait. We cannot go without the Spirit. So this is a powerful and challenging call. So what happens in Acts from that point onwards is completely Holy Spirit-powered. We see it, don't we? They just wait in the upper room at Pentecost. They're filled with power and with the Spirit. The gospel, the kingdom, the church is not man-powered. It's not intellect-powered. It's not horse-powered. It's Holy Spirit-powered. It's the modus operandi, the way of operating, the mode of operating of the church. 
God calls us to a life that we are completely unable to accomplish without the Holy Spirit. That's challenging. That we may accomplish something or even some level of what God has put in our heart, but we're never going to release the fullness of God's intention, what it is, outside of the Holy Spirit. Think of John, right? John at the beautiful gate. Without the Holy Spirit, the guy isn't being healed. Alone we are unable. We need to wait for the Holy Spirit as people just going out into our lives, but also as a church. We need to live life out of the presence of God. Out of the presence of God. When we're living life from His presence, the the things that just come naturally, the things that we do, that is a life that glorifies the Son. And what's the Holy Spirit's mandate? The Bible speaks about the Holy Spirit. His mandate is to glorify the Son, Jesus. When our actions and our stepping out and our risks are risks to glorify the Son, praying in Jesus' name, declaring the kingdom and the King, Jesus is glorified. When our objective or the thing we're doing lines up with the mandate of the Holy Spirit, anything can happen. But the warning, sometimes people think of the Holy Spirit not as a person, but as a power. Okay? And sometimes people slip into the place of using the Holy Spirit as a tool, like a huge club that the Lord's given us. Not real, it's not true. He's a person. He is God, that we would have a relationship with him. He's here right now, that we can dwell in his presence, that we could be in his presence that we would wait on him. It's just the most amazing thing we've been given, the greatest gift, that he would lead us, that he would teach us, that he would guide us, that he would whisper secrets to us for the situations that we're in. And that from that, because he's right there with us, we wouldn't be worried, we would just step out and act. As he says, go do this. We see God working in this place and we just step out and act. I want to share a clip with you guys now. There's going to be two clips there. I want to share a clip with you guys now to kind of demonstrate that because I can share it and I can say it. Guys, you know, listen, hear God and then act. But I want to play a clip of a guy called Todd White and he has a great healing ministry. And this clip particularly, the thing I want you guys to notice is he's listening to the Holy Spirit and he's saying to this guy what's wrong with him. And then the guy, you're seeing in the guy's face that the guy's, it's suddenly, it's not just Todd saying that, and then he prays for the guy, and then we see what happens. Media, that is so awesome. How's your shoulder? <laughs> you have rotator cuff problems. Yeah, wow. Yeah, mm-hmm. this one. <laughs> Come here, man. This will be really cool. You'll love this. Yeah, here we go. Did you do sports thing? Yeah. Football? Yeah. Were you a tackle? Yeah. You were right tackle. Yeah. That's so cool. <laughs> Is that good, man? It's good. Is yeah. one of your knees blown out? Did you blow one of your knees out? No, but I did hurt one about a month ago. Yeah. Does it still pain in it right now? Yeah. Oh, you're going to love this. Is your left knee? Yeah. Yay! <laughs> this will be so fun. You ready? Okay, okay. watch. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Shoulder, I command you be made whole right now. In Jesus' name. 
Is it getting warm in there? Yeah. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Raise your arm up, man. I guarantee it's done. <laughs> I'm trying to... Wow. <laughs> it is. Let me see your left knee. <laughs> Father, I thank you in Jesus' name for this left knee being made whole right now. Every bit of pain, I cancel you and command you get out. And I thank you, Father, that you heal him because you love him and he's amazing. Mm -hmm. Jesus' name. Bend your knee, dude. I guarantee that's crushed. No click. No click. Squat down, man. Really check it, dude. <laughs> Yay. Okay, Come on, dude. That's good. <laughs> Give me some love, man. Wow. <laughs> I am impressed. Bless you, man. Oh, thank you. Bless this is so amazing. Your back's good, right? Yeah. It's your back. I want to show you something. Sit right here for a second. Okay. Let me see your feet. That should be awesome. I don't know. What would you say that is? Where's your friend at? Come here and look. How much shorter would you say that is? About an inch? Yeah. About an inch? Yeah. That's what's yeah. throwing your back out. That's so good, dude. Want to see your leg grow out? It's so cool. Ready? Can you lean back so I get a little more leg? There you go. Yeah. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Left leg, come out. Right now, in Jesus' name. There it goes. That's sweet. Yay. Mm -hmm. You're awesome. Which one of your wrists? You have a one of your I'm wrists? Tunnel, yeah, it? dude. Mm -hmm. Come on, man. Isn't that good? <laughs> he loves you so much, he's going to crush it right now because he loves you, man. He, look, I'll tell you how I'm hearing all this stuff in just a second, okay? Okay. Mm -hmm. You see, you don't get headaches, right? Not every once in a while. Like mm -hmm. right here? Yeah, sinus. Mm -hmm. No allergy stuff. Allergies. You have that? Yeah. Oh. God, <laughs> Father, I thank you in Jesus' name, God. Carpal tunnel, I curse you and command you get out right now. Right now, in Jesus' name. Should be getting warm in there. Move your wrist. Good? Any pain at all? Maybe for some of you guys, that's the first time you've ever seen anything like that. Maybe like your mind's a bit challenging, but acts are still happening today. Same as John by the beautiful gate, right? Seeing the guy stand up and walk, people are still being healed. People are still having blind eyes opened. And it's just absolutely incredible. That's something I want for, for me, for us as a church family, that we'd be able to see that stuff. We see through our acts, people being described as being filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter, Philip, right? Stephen. Stephen just did the dinner tray stuff and then he's filled with the Holy Spirit. John, Paul, and they acted. They ministered. They ministered in the Spirit and they ministered with the Spirit. People are getting healed. People came to faith in Jesus. People saw miracles. People were comforted. Their lives of faith weren't conceptual. What do I mean by that? I mean, it wasn't, yeah, I kind of know that God can heal people and it's this concept, but we never actually see it. They lived in it. They weren't religious guys. They were just kingdom guys who had a relationship with God. They spent time with God Almighty. They spent time with the Spirit. And so for us today, there's a big challenge in that. Will we wait on the Holy Spirit? Will we wait on the Spirit? Is our life something that we live hand in hand with the Holy Spirit? 
do you want that? You know, do you want that? It's available to all. It's not just a few special folk. Do you want that? I want that. Just make the decision today to walk in that. And so just think on that a moment as well. Meditate just as I speak. The Holy Spirit, the power that created everything that was there at the beginning, the power to heal every sickness, the insight through his wisdom to reveal, right? But the insight to know all thoughts, the wisdom for every situation, miracle power. Imagine a life lived hand in hand with God. Imagine that life. I want that. I want that. I don't live in the fullness of that that I see, that I see that I want. You know, I want that for you guys. I want that for us. I want that we'll come back here on a Sunday, because you notice that was out on the street, right? It wasn't a church service. It wasn't like, would you like me to pray for you? You're going to have to come to church on Sunday. That was just him out on the street, just praying for people, just going around. That's, that's what he does. And you know, I'd love to come back here and some of you guys come, there's someone with you and you're like, you never guess what? I pray for this person. They got healed. They want to come to church or something completely different. God just gave me this word for these people and I told it to them and it completely set them free of this thing that they were struggling for because you're revealing God's heart of love for that person. It's exciting. And now we see that and we imagine that. Imagine living without the Holy Spirit. How empty, right? How, oh no, there's got to be more than this. Or imagine, and I think this can be the case often more with believers, and I've been this person and I've done it, like not inviting him along, right? Say, right, Holy Spirit, I'll see you this evening when I get home from work, you know? Not bring him along, not engaging with him all the time through the day that he's there. Why would we ever not want him with us? You know, I want to tell you and I want to encourage you today. He wants to be there more than you want him there. It's not like, oh, how can I kind of trick God into showing up? How can I trick him into being there? It's the plan, remember? Right from the beginning. Wait. Wait for the Spirit. It's the plan all along. Us cracking on without him was never the plan. Now, I just want to address a little topic that maybe some people are thinking, ah, but what about faith? I just want to address that topic of faith and go into that a little bit. Is what do you do when you're faced with sickness? Right? It's, all, it's all okay to watch a video, but when you're like right there, what do you do when faced with sickness? What do you do when you need a miracle? By the way, this guy, just a bit of his testimony, he prayed for 900 people without seeing anybody healed. Boom, and then people started getting healed. Why? No idea, but he just carried on doing it. But what do you do when you face that sickness? You know, many people say we need faith, right? Which is true, we do need faith. But often we can get the wrong idea of what faith is. It leads us to call us something which is faith, which actually isn't faith. What do I mean? Some say, and you know, you may have said it, my faith isn't strong enough. My faith isn't strong enough. I need to have more faith. I don't have enough faith. Saying that, what, what is the truth behind those words? What's the deep thing in there? So we're saying it's really the hinge of yes or no. The thing of accomplishing is actually about you. It's about you. It's about my faith. They're looking to God for a miracle. I don't doubt that. 
You know, you're a believer if you're going out and praying for that kind of thing. You're looking to God, but can end up making it about themselves. You're saying that the result is dependent upon my ability to believe enough. But it's actually, that's about you in that situation and not him. But you know, his grace is enough. Stay with me with this thing. I'm going to carry on. Because I think for some guys, this actually will unlock a key that will really help you pray for people. Something similar, to illustrate it, happens to the, the, to the disciples. They can't heal this demon-possessed boy. And they come to Jesus and they say, hey, Jesus, we've been healing all these people. Why can't we cast this demon out? Why can't we, why can't we heal him? And Jesus says, because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will be moved. Nothing will be impossible for you. See, in the Greek, that word little faith, it kind of means a few things like dull of hearing the Lord's voice, not trusting or lacking confidence in Jesus. And then Jesus comes out and says, Faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains. It just says they have little faith, but actually their faith is not in him. It's they have this doubt in themselves. Jesus is saying, you know, with that tiniest, barely visible amount of faith in me and my ability, that's all you need. Anything can happen. See, because it's not about you. It's not about mustering up some quantity. It's about me. See, you won't see the breakthrough one when you don't trust me, when you don't have confidence in me, when you say in your heart, I need to. I don't have enough faith. He is enough. He is the victory. Do you guys believe he can? I believe he can. We believe he can. We believe for our salvation, right? That's a big kind of focus of church, which is good and important. We believe for our salvation. We have faith for that, don't we? We know without a shadow of a doubt, we're heaven bound. We know that. That he paid the price for our sin on a cross. That he poured out his blood as a blood sacrifice for our sin so that in him we can have eternal life. The payment of our sin, so that we could not just have eternal life, but be acceptable before the Father, that he could come and dwell within us here upon the earth. But you know, guys, when we take communion and Jesus says, remember this, what does he say? You know, he says, remember this, and what do we take? We take the bread and the wine, don't we? The body and the blood. We take the body and the blood. You know, if communion was just about our salvation, that blood sacrifice, his victory over death, then we'd just take the wine. But there's the body. The body of Christ broken for you, the bread. But, as we know from the scriptures, not one of his bones is broken. Is it? Not one of Jesus' bones is broken. His body is broken through the whipping, through the scourging of him. That says that he's marred beyond any other man. That he's completely unrecognizable. It says also that by his stripes, the marring of his body, 
by his stripes we were healed. So we take the bread, the body of Jesus, don't we? Because it's in his brokenness we're made whole. In Matthew 8, 17b, it says, He took our infirmities and carried away our diseases. When we pray, it is not God up in heaven deciding, shall I heal them? Shall I not heal them? Maybe, no, you need to be good enough. You need to sort something out. It's not like that. He took our infirmities and carried away our diseases there 2,000 years ago. Sickness was defeated 2,000 years ago. So do you believe he defeated all our infirmities? As his body is broken and whipped for us, it's done in that moment. That's why when Christ on a cross, he can say about that as well, it is finished. See, faith is confidence in him and his ability. It's a confidence in the power of God over death and the resurrection of Jesus. When it comes, guys, to acts of faith, when we have that fear or that doubt, there is some part where we've stopped trusting Jesus. I know how easy it is, because I've had it. Freak out the last minute, right, before you pray for someone. He's the victory. Usually, I believe that our fear is where for some, somehow, some way, we put it onto ourselves, and we have a feeling that we can't do it. We have a fear that we're not good enough. But why do we need confidence in ourselves? Jesus never said we needed confidence in ourselves. And that's the heart of the problem, trying to be confident in our ability rather than resting in his ability. Trying to be confident in what we can do in that moment out on the street in 2019 rather than resting in what he did 2,000 years ago. And also, we may be like, well, what happens if they don't get healed, James? What happens if nothing happens? Does it matter? You know, does it matter? If you're worried about you looking bad, we've got to get over ourselves. We look foolish for the gospel, right? Look foolish for him. If we're worried about God looking bad, well, you know, if God doesn't come through, it's his problem, actually, if, he does, if something doesn't happen the way we think it's going to happen. But you know what? They weren't expecting to get healed in the first place. They were just getting on a bus. Those guys were just out for a drink. You know, they weren't expecting their, to have a touch from God. Pray for people. But what happens if they don't get healed? I think a better question is what happens if they do get healed? Yeah. What happens if they do get healed? Especially if you start doing this stuff, you freak out. Everyone will freak out. They'll be screaming. I heard a story once in Wales where this guy got, who's been in a chair for 10 years. Imagine like a small church like this, someone in a chair for 10 years. The guy gets out of the wheelchair, picks the wheelchair up, just runs around. The pastor telling that story said, everybody went flipping mental. And like everybody in the church just went crazy. Anyway, when we walk out the door every morning, hand in hand with the Holy Spirit, anything can happen because we got confidence that he can, and he's right there. You're intimate with him. We read last week about Paul on Malta, and he heals the Roman leader's dad, and then everyone from around the island comes, and they're healed. I think a big part of that is because Paul isn't getting in the way. He's just got his head to the heartbeat of God. Everyone came for healing, and everyone was healed. He just partnered with God, just stepped out with God, the God he knew intimately. You know, he knew that he couldn't. He never made it about himself. He just went about with God and God's business. And I think there's nothing more vital for us as a church 
than the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and flowing through each of us, where each of us are spending time with him, right? It's not always to see like the miraculous, just being with him, talking with him, taking risks with him, or what you may perceive as a risk. A church that does this well is Bethel in California. Some of you guys may know of them. There's a great story of one of their guys. They were at the supermarket. They're just living in that space. God just started revealing to them people like that in the supermarket who um, had different ailments. And she said, what do I do with this? She went to the cashier and said, can I use your loudspeaker system? Started just telling, saying there's somebody here who's got this and that. And people just started coming down to this cashier. And then they just prayed for them. And all these people were healed. Imagine what can happen through your shopping. The Holy Spirit working in and through people. It's central to the book of Acts. It's central to the book of Acts. And you know, Paul's letters, it's completely inseparable. It's completely inseparable. And yeah, there may be some guys with, who have particular ministries in some areas, and so they're doing it, seem to be doing it more, more often. But it, it's part of the church. We read that, like something Paul writes a lot to the Corinthians about, about the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to look at that in a minute. Romans 15, 18 to 19 says this. It says, this is Paul speaking about his ministry. And he says, I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. It's all about Christ, not about you. In leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done. It's not just about getting up and speaking. It's about doing as well. By the power of signs and wonders, through the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem all the way around to Illyricum, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. Amazing, right? They're inseparable. It's not about just hearing. It's about seeing and doing and the power of God impacting and changing the world. So Paul writes about the gifts of the Spirit in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 12, there's healing, right? There's prophecy, there's words of knowledge. Word of knowledge is something that you just could not know that God reveals to you about a person or a situation. A bit like that guy Todd was having where he knew some, he kind of knew something was wrong in certain areas and was calling that out beforehand. Words of wisdom. It's not just having some like great discernment, you're a wise person for a situation. It's kind of having the heartbeat of God and his love over a situation revealed to you to bring the perfect wisdom and breakthrough into that situation. Gift of tongues, which other languages, maybe heavenly languages or just a different language. Faith, the discernment of spirits, and miracles. And miracles can pretty much be just anything that really is not possible, although that's a bit of a loose description, right? But encouraging that, sometimes a miracle healings like growing back a limb, which I've never seen, but you know, it can. I, some of you guys know the story I've shared before of a great friend from the UK, and he's a landscaper, and he'd quite recently become a Christian, started reading the Bible, and just started living the Bible, and he had to move this big tree, and it was going to be this big bench, and he had to move it, but the diggers were all late and everything like that, and which is what his plan was, and so he just he just went, all right, I'll give it a go, and so he got behind this tree and started moving this tree, just declaring believing. He kept saying, actually, I'm an instrument of the Lord. I'm an instrument of the Lord. Anyway, he moved this tree a good couple of hundred meters, got it into position. The woman came out who owned the place and said, how on earth did you move that? He said, I have no idea, to be honest with you, but I became a Christian a few weeks ago and some really weird stuff's been happening lately. And, And actually, when the digger guy came and he delivered the digger, 
my friend asked him, could I use the digger to move that? This is like a petrol powered mini digger. And the guy said, there is no way that digger can move that tree. Amazing thing. So the miracles can happen all sorts of places. Some people get so pumped up about the gifts though, right? That they try to use the Holy Spirit, like I touched on earlier. It becomes about the spectacle. The Spirit becomes this means to an end. It's not. He is the end. He is the end. These gifts, they're, they're gifts that are given to the world by God, but through the people of God. We're the blessers. We are the gift givers. We are the partners with heaven, the ambassadors, right? The, the Bible speaks about us being ambassadors of the kingdom. Remember when ambassadors would turn up to another land, they'd come and they'd bring gifts from their, from their land, wouldn't they? This is what's from our place. This is, this is what our kingdom's like. Here's some of this food, right? Here's some of this craft or art. Well, you know, when the ambassadors of the kingdom turn up, healing comes breakthrough comes. People who've been in bondage for years and years are completely released because that is a gift coming from the ambassadors of the kingdom. Bringing the kingdom. We follow the way of love. We just love them enough to be God's hand and feet and give them the gift that he so desperately wanted to give. Right? First Corinthians which is one of those ones, it's one, you guys will know it probably, it's often read at weddings, that love, it's all about love. Love is patient, love is kind, love is yada yada yada. But actually, it's 1 Corinthians 13, it's right after 1 Corinthians 12 about the gifts. It's all in the context of spiritual gifts. And it is about love, and it's great about love. But it is our love for people which should be the context of pursuing the gifts of the Spirit. Not the spectacular. But seeing God come and just impact a person, developing the gifts, not for our own glory, but for his glory, not because it's supernatural and cool and, you know, it's kind of trendy and I'm just excited by this and I want to see it. That's a take mentality, isn't it? That's a selfish thing. But because through them, we can actually bring the love of God and release the love of God to a hurting world that needs to know the love of God of the king. That love for others, though, the love that will push you completely outside your comfort zone to be like, this is crazy, you know, the love for others, it comes from being in his presence where you catch his heart of love for those people. Get in his presence and you will catch his heart of love for the world. 1 Corinthians 14, Verse 1, what does it say? It says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. You see, the gifts have to come out of a context of love until your heart isn't completely broken for people around you. When you see someone sick or completely just in a turmoil in themselves and they need they need a wisdom or breakthrough in that situation it comes out of a place of love and you know what the terrifying thing is if you go back and you read those chapters yourself you can do it without love you can do it without love and that's a very dangerous place to be
why does it say especially prophecy? Why especially prophecy? Right? You know, prophecy isn't like standing up and shouting at people and telling them something really bad's going to happen. That's not prophecy, okay? Prophecy reveals the heart of God's love for a person right there. See, God shares something with you about a person. He shares his heart of love for that person, and it's you speaking God's heart of love right into that person's life. And I think it's incredible. Love's the motivator. And you know, prophecy is quite often coupled with words of knowledge or maybe a word of wisdom. The word of knowledge being the thing which you may remember from earlier, where God shares with you, it's maybe a secret about a person. It's something that there's literally no way on earth you could ever know. And that makes the listener be like, instead of, oh, that was nice, you know, go into a place of, oh my goodness, you know, this is God, this is God. You know, now somebody just telling me their bank account, my bank account number or my, I don't know, the house I used to grow up in or something, they've never, they never met me. That does do nothing for me, right? Apart from I know that they're speaking, they've got a line to God, they've got a message from me from God. What comes next is the revelation. That person, like me in that situation, would then be ready to hear the prophecy. And the prophecy is the revelation of God's heart for a person, which comforts, builds up, and encourages. If someone gives you a prophecy and you feel torn down and rubbish afterwards, it probably wasn't a prophecy. It's probably just that person going on a rant. Okay. I want to play you another short clip of a, a guy called Sean Bowles. He's based in LA. He's got a great prophetic ministry, but particularly in this area of prophecy and words of knowledge. And, you know, I can explain it to you, but it's just far easier just to show you God working. Is there... I don't know, I, I don't get this, but a joy from, joy from Germany or Berlin? That's what I saw, joy from Berlin. Does that make sense? Are you joy? Are you from Berlin? But you're not German. Oh, that's cool. Berlin, Ohio. I didn't know there was one. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. From Ohio. Berlin, Ohio, where, you know, guten Tag. Um, this is really special. You're living in San Francisco. Yes. This is good. Unbelievable. Um, wow. I'm just looking down because I'm nervous. I'm trying to get the rest of this. I'm trying to get more. Um, November, wow, November 9th, no. 2010. John, is this your father? And he went to be with Jesus. And uh, He was a prophet. He was a prophet. He John Schock or? John Schrock. Schrock. I'm seeing him right now in heaven, but he's behind you in heaven. Like Jesus and your, your dad are behind you. And he's smiling and Jesus is saying, write the book. Oh. It's about his life. He has crazy stories. Crazy. He's just a funny, crazy man that has a story to be told. That's It's like a, a hodgepodge of collection of just who he was and what he prophesied. And I feel like the Lord's saying it's a catalyst opportunity because your dad is literally praying over you and your husband, who is also close to your dad, who really respected your dad. I can see this. God is, uh, is about to do something for you and your family and your dad is praying in heaven, but there's a story to be told and you're gonna be on a learning journey as you tell the story for how to tell greater and greater stories. You're gonna steward something with him that's gonna cause stewardship over your life. I see your dad is in all his glory. He looks around 30 years old. He looks so healthy, he's really fit. He's really fit. 
like he would have been when he was that age. And I feel like uh, he's, he's like so happy with Jesus right now. Like I'm just seeing Jesus and him are like best buddies. Like they, they're just like, he talks Jesus' ear off. This is like a man who knew how to, he had a gift of gab and he's talking Jesus' ear off all the time. And it, it's Jesus' pleasure to have him there. It's so awesome. But your dad is talking to him about you and your husband and about your family and about your time in San Francisco, which is a divine assignment. And there's some things that you have to do there and there's some things that you have to become and your, and your dad's part of your intercessory team. So just know that you're surrounded and it's time to do. And your dad, I'm telling you, I know that was so painful for you, but it's now a celebration day because your dad is still alive. He's alive in heaven right now. Bless you. I love that clip because it's just so spot on because it's, you know, you get the word of knowledge, which by itself is kind of pointless, you know, hearing the dad's, the day the dad died, the dad's name, there's other stuff in there. It's amazing, right? But then it goes on to bring the revelation, to bring the comfort, to bring the encouragement about where she's at in life, what they're doing in life, the things that they're thinking about. It's just this, like that lady left there completely different, you know, completely different. And it wasn't someone standing up saying, you have to do this or something like that. There was just total love, encouragement, and also comfort, right? comfort that she's so comforted it's amazing and I think you know just walking with the Holy Spirit that is this is the Christian life and actually these guys yeah they have ministries in that but they train up and they release many many people in fact this guy we just saw there he says I'm nothing special I'm just calling people into walk in exactly the same way it's diverse and amazing for each of us, the way the Holy Spirit can work in us. It, it, it may not be like on a big public forum and like those guys had. It may be that you just healing folk around on the street, right? It may be that actually you're just getting wisdom for a particular aspect of your work, for stuff that you're doing. You may be a writer and you get a completely God-inspired story. Sean here, I heard him speak, speaking recently, and he, he told this amazing thing of these people just getting in the presence of God, and they work on the Global Cancer Research Team, and God revealed some stuff to those guys, which moved the research along in two to three years, what it would have taken 20 years to do. Don't limit God, you know? It's so random. There's not like, okay, there's these seven things we can do, okay? Don't limit God. You, know, you can't out-imagination God. He will out-imagination you every time. There are endless depths to the wonder and the beauty that we can live in relationship with God. But it's all about Him. It's all about Him. It all flows out of us and Him being together in relationship. Better than all the things, right? Better than all the stuff that He does. However awesome it is, we get to be with him. We get to be with him. Isn't that life exciting? I find that life so exciting. It's so exciting. You know, for years, I used to want it, and I had no idea how to get it and live in that. And there were two problems. First problem, I was focused on getting this gift, get seeing the stuff more than being in his presence more than just getting in his presence because it all comes and operates from his presence 
We hear the insight, we hear the revelation. Those guys are hearing that stuff, not because they're trained in this particular gift, but because their ears are right next to the heart of God. And they hear. And the second problem I was having is I was trying to work out how to get something I had already been given. That is very frustrating, especially for the person who's given it to you, right? I was trying to work out how to get something I'd already been given. Because Jesus left, the Holy Spirit sent, right? We have the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? We have the Holy Spirit. John 16, 7 says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus going to the Father meant the Spirit came. John 14, 12 to 14 says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. It's pretty big because Jesus did some cool works, right? And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father and I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me, reminds us again, for anything in my name and I will do it. It's all been given. It's all been given. It's there. Just ask. Just hands it from the shelf. Just ask. You know, we ask the Holy Spirit who's dwelling here and filling us, filling the people of God. He works in power because his mandate is to glorify the Son. And when the Son is glorified, like we just read, the Father in him is glorified too. The whole of the Godhead is glorified. God Almighty is glorified when we receive what we've been given and we step out. Glorify God. You're walking around every single day with the God of heaven right there with you, wanting you to step out, calling us to step out, wanting us to ask for the impossible. He's ready to respond because you know, through his love we receive, but also as things happen, his love is demonstrated. You know, as somebody who doesn't believe in God is healed, they can't be like, oh, God isn't real and God doesn't love me, you know? Sure, God is real and God really loves you. That's you heard the guy in the first video kept saying that, didn't he? It's like, Jesus loves you, Jesus loves you. I think I'm going to use the word crush a little more if I can. But, you know, God loves you, he's going to crush it. It's amazing. And as we step out, the kingdom comes and he is glorified. I just want you guys just to let the realness of that sink in. Don't fall into the trap of being like, oh, it's cool for those guys. It's cool for some, but that would never happen to me. What are the implications of the realness of this? Because it's so real. It's so real. It's so real. What are the implications of that for our lives? That you are walking around with God. When you're walking around and you come across that person who's sick or who needs breakthrough, it's not like, ah, I know I should do something here and I'm all alone. It is God is right there, hand in hand with you. And you're pretty much just saying, God, what, like, can you do the work? People, you know, maybe say, well, it would have been easy. It would have been great when Jesus was there because he was right there. The Holy Spirit is right there 
with us. Is that real to you guys? Is it real to you? Or is it just a religious concept? Because if it is real, my prayer for us today is that we'd put our hands up and be like, God, that is real, and I want my life to come in alignment with that reality. I want to be consistent with what I believe is true. That our lives, our decisions, our risks would be in line. That would be rational, right? If that's true, let's live rationally and step out into the impossible. Step out into that reality. You know, there's so much to say. There's so much to share. And I think maybe some of you guys feel challenged. Some of you guys maybe feel uncomfortable. And I just take that to go as well. Just now, we're going to have a time of response. We're going to have a time where you can just come before God. And for some of you guys here today, you're going to be asking, God, I want that. I want that. I want to live a life where I just see your power work in this place. I want to see you glorified, God. I want you to use me. I want you to use me. And if that's you, just pray to him. Just pray to him right now. Pray to him right now. Just say, God, use me like that. Use me like that. Lead me into that place, God. Lead me into that place where I just take... Take the risk. Do the jump. Guys, I want to invite all of you into that adventure. Maybe there are some of you guys here today, and from some of what you've seen, you're just like, your mind's a bit scrambled. You never realized that kind of stuff still happened today. Maybe you're skeptical. I just encourage you, just... Take a moment just with God. Let him speak into your heart. Feel free as well. Come and engage with me. Shout at me later. Say, I just don't get it. I don't see that. I, I, I struggle with that. You know, God doesn't ask us just to accept it all blindly. But it is beautiful and it is exciting. And I just want to say for anyone who's listening on the podcast or here today, if you are here and you, you're like, I, have, I don't have a relationship with this God. You've been speaking about amazing things, but that it all comes from his presence. You spoke about how Christ died on a cross and poured out his blood so that in him I could have this relationship. I could be right before God. I could come into the presence of God. I could be filled with the Holy Spirit. If that is you today, whether you're here or you're listening to this podcast, I just want to invite you, make him... Lord of your life today. Make him king over your life today. I just invite you to pray this prayer after me. Lord, thank you for dying on a cross for me. Thank you for paying for my sin so that I could be forgiven and come into a relationship with you. Thank you, God, that you were separated from the Father so that I could be brought into relationship with him. Lord, thank you that you went through total humility, humiliation, that I wouldn't be humiliated and I could be honored and brought into the courts of heaven. I give you my life today and I choose to follow you today 
Amen. If that's you, I just want to encourage you to join a church. There's no obligation to join us. Find a church near you if you're on the podcast. Send us a message. Send us, a, send us an email. We'd love to connect with you. Guys, go on this adventure that the fire of God would fill you. That the fire of God would fill you. That we would be people who walk in the power of the Spirit. Those Acts 29 people continuing to walk it out. Encourage you guys, just for those of you wanting prayer, go on that just hunger for the fire of God just to fill you. Today, but tomorrow, this afternoon, that presence of God to fill you. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this time, this place, these people, God. I thank you, God, for that that message. And Lord, I thank you for all the different people that have turned up today who aren't usually here, God. And I just, I just, Lord, I pray that you work in that, Lord, like a seed scattered on the wind, God, whether, whether it's Cambodia or Hong Kong or back in America or wherever, God, Lord, wherever people are going, other churches, God, there's that heart, God, that heart of living acts today, walking out with you more than anything else that we just have this hunger and this thirst for your fire to fill us, for us to be in your presence, for us to be in your presence, God. Lord, I thank you that you're King of Kings, God. I thank you that you are Lord of Lords, Jesus. In your mighty name, God, let us be ambassadors. Let us be your people, bringing your kingdom here in this place. Amen.